Welcome to Be Bougie, Be Hippie. I'm your host, Eileen Desell. This is a space for healing, growing, venting, vibing, and discovering, where real life meets the spiritual realms. Hello, and welcome to Be Bougie, Be Hippie. I am your host, Eileen Desell. I am so happy to be here. It's actually very early in the morning. Everybody in my home is sleeping. The It's still dark outside. I love this. I love this time of day to use for me, and now I'm using it for us. So I don't know if you can hear my smile, but I'm happy. I'm happy to be doing this. I was couldn't sleep this morning, or I woke up early around 5.15 and... I just knew that right now is the time that I need to share um, what this episode is going to be about. So um, I want to talk today about business and intuition and how they go hand in hand. And I want to tell my story about, you know, the ups and downs, the failures and the successes of how... I am at the point today where I'm okay calling myself an entrepreneur because I am. The business that the business is that I've started, that my husband started, that him and I have started together and now growing, um, there's a lot behind that and it didn't just, you know, pop up. And um, for people who have built business from scratch or who know somebody who've done that or, you know, have a partner or a spouse who's done it, you know, you know, you know, um, it's not easy. And I think today there's more places for us to go to ask questions and to talk about it. But for a long time, I'm just going to talk about me and how I felt about it for a long time. I felt like business was business, being a business owner, or starting a business was only for the highly qualified, right? Or the ones that were um, in a sweet spot in life. You know, they had the right credit and the right support and the right education. And, you know, they could get the loan and they had, you know, they looked a certain way. And, and so I had to break all of those thoughts and ideals of who was qualified. And so what I'm going to start with is, you know, my journey and how it's up until this present moment with Be Bougie, Be Hippie and where I want to take that. And I'm so excited to share about that. So I'm going to try, try to stay on topic. But the, the most important thing here is my intuition has guided me when I've allowed it in to the right spots in my life or to be at the right place at the right time to allow things to unfold. So yeah, let's, um, like I said, it's early in the morning. I love this. I'm excited that you're here. A few people reached out to me and we were talking about this kind of, you know, how, how I got to this point. Yeah. So I want to kind of qualify by starting with how unqualified I was truly to 
feel or to be by society's guidelines, right? I was so unqualified by society's guidelines, but yet I did it and you can do it too. And that's why we're here, this community to support one another, to talk about this kind of stuff. So, oh my God, we'll go, we'll go back. So I've been sober. This is a nice clean timeline for me. Um, I've been sober a little bit over 10 years. I got sober in October of 2011. And um, the day before I reached out for help, I wanted to kill myself. I was completely done uh, with life and living. It was chaos and mental turmoil. I didn't know where I belonged in the world. And I thought that the world would be better without me. Um, so that day when that night I was alone, I was in a broken relationship. Um, he wasn't home. So my choice was, you know, either kill myself or do what. And, um, 2011, I had a flip phone and I don't know how, and this was, you know, the flip phone where you did like the ABC one, two, three to, to write a text or to find the contacts in your phone. Um, so I was looking at the bathtub and, you know, very gruesome, but that was my plan. And uh, instead of going through with that, I sat on the bed for a minute on the edge of the bed and I cried and I looked at my phone and on my phone was the contact was already popped up of a cousin that I hadn't talked to in a little while that lived in Massachusetts and I knew he was sober and I was drunk. I was high. There was no way that I was in the minds to set to, you know, look up his number. And I looked over at my phone and there it was. And that to me right there, that's the beginning of this whole beautiful story that is mine. So I, I pressed send. I said, yes, I pressed send. And I called and he answered right away. And um, I said, I can't do this anymore. And he knew exactly what I meant. And he said, I'll be there in, you know, six hours or whatever it was. And, uh, and that was the first day of, of the rest of my life. And I was really scared. I didn't know what I was doing. I was trusting the fact that I didn't want to be where I was anymore. And I didn't know where I was going, but I knew I couldn't stay there. So I packed up a few things. I left almost everything behind and um, I packed up a few very random things. Again, I was under the influence. So I brought sneakers and heels and old workout clothes and a prom dress. And I left a note and, and I left and I came into Massachusetts and that wonderful cousin who saved my life that day was getting married in a few days. And so I couldn't go live with him and his new bride to be. So he dropped me off at a distant relative's house and, um, and she took me in and I was very, very grateful for that. And her rules were, you know, I, I have to leave during the day you don't know anybody, you know, don't go anywhere. And when I get home, you can use my car or you can, you know, you have permission to go to an AA meeting. And other than that, you come home. 
So I was a wreck. I was a wreck, but at the same time, I had this hope because I knew that by breaking the cycle of continuously just drinking and drugging and hating myself wasn't working for me. And I didn't know what this was. And so I gave it a try. And during those hours during the day, you know, she would leave at 4 a.m. and she wouldn't get back to like five. I was alone. I was alone. And, um, and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I started a schedule. So I started just, you know, at 4 a.m. I'll smoke the cigarette and at 5 a.m. I'll, you know, have my second cup of coffee. And, and so I gave myself this mini schedule and that has brought me so far in life where I write, I was writing down the things that I was going to do so that I felt accomplished and my body was shaky. And, you know, I was learning how to live a day at a time without a drink or a drug. And so I met people who were amazing and helped me do that. And a few months now, I was like, I think 90 days or something sober. And um, long story short, it wasn't working at her house anymore um, for many reasons. And um, and I left and I wasn't sure where I was going to go. But the women in AA allowed me, you know, if you stay sober, you can stay on my couch. And so... I would spend my days, so now I'm looking for a job, trying to find money to get a license, a Massachusetts license. I have no car. I have no cell phone. I have no money. <laughs> I have no job. Like, I am literally on the skin of my teeth, you know, what was left in my tiny bank account from when I was drinking and drugging. And, um, and I would go to AA meetings, and during the day, I would go to bookstores and libraries and I would just sit there and I would read. So, and then I would go to gyms and I would use gyms. So I would work out at the gyms and I would use the gyms for where I would shower and where I would get dressed to present myself to go to an AA meeting. And like I said, I had very few clothes and I didn't have a car. So I learned how to run long distances because I had to, because I had no choice. And that's kind of where this is. I had no choice. And I just kept doing the next thing that felt right. And I would go to a meeting and it would feel good. And I would connect with people and that would feel really good. And I would get some of the, you know, pent up emotions and anger and sadness out. And I would talk to people and interact with people. And I met so many amazing people. And I just kept showing up. For myself. I didn't know where it was going. At this point, I really had no dreams besides like, where am I going to shower next? Where am I going to eat next kind of thing? So I'm doing this for a while. Life is getting really good from the inside out. You know, I'm, I'm now people have invited me into their homes, which I was so grateful for. I'm so grateful for that. You know, they said, if you just stay sober, you can stay here. You can come eat dinner, you know, at my house. Um, I had a beautiful sponsor who allowed me to live with her and her three kids. She was a single mom. And from that stability and going to the gym, I found that I really enjoyed helping people. And the way I could do that easily in that moment was by personal training. So I met an amazing crew of people at a gym and they gifted me 
they sponsored me to get certified as a personal trainer. And this is all, this is just how the universe works, right? We show up, we say yes. And if we don't put a time limit on things, if we don't put our own time limit on things and we're just open and allow and trust and stay connected. And that's what I've learned. That's what I learned too, along this way, you know, every day, wake up, I hit my knees. I connect to that conscious contact. And that is not me, you know, not me today. That's my higher power. That's my higher self. That's my council of light. That's my guide tribe. You know, I connect in to them. I energetically attach to them. And so I was a trainer and now I'm, you know, I got the licensing I need because I asked for help and then, and the certificates I needed, you know, and now I'm growing and I'm talking to people and I'm doing training, you know, one-on-ones and I'm doing groups and I'm doing women's groups and I'm, you know, working at this gym and, and life is really good. And, um, <laughs> I lived in this crummy little apartment now and I got my own apartment and, I'm living in this apartment and I still don't have a car. So now I am running up to 10 miles a day to get places. And I have my backpack on and mind you, I was still smoking. (laughs) So I have enough money for cigarettes. I have enough money for coffee. You know, I'm living off of packets of oatmeal and I'm training and I'm so happy and I'm running. And I used to run by this gas station all the time in Dedham, Massachusetts. And uh, the guy pulls me aside one day. He says, stop running, you know, come here. He said, I see you all the time back and forth. He said, you know, do you, do you have any money? I just kind of laughed at him like, no. And he, uh, he pointed to an old Monte Carlo and he said to me, it has a flat tire. If you can pay for that, for a new tire, then I will sell you that car for a dollar and a no brainer, right? Like, Oh, you know, that's, that's not the car for me. That's, you know, no, thanks. I don't like it's, it's all, you know, I was like, yes, (laughs) yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I did it. I did that. You know, I was very conscious and it was $50. And at the time I'm like, okay, that's, that was enough money that that was just a little enough that I could do it. Right. Like, the universe handed me an opportunity and I said, yes. So I got my car for $51. And, um, and that was the game changer for me. You know, like I got to go to meetings, farther meetings and throughout all of this, I remained grateful. Like I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew that I was happy to be in this place of newness, of not knowing, of learning, of growing, of stretching. And frankly, of, you know, the struggle had become a little less, like having a place to shower and having my own bed and having people who supported me on that journey was beautiful. That's something that I never fully allowed in before in my life. So I have this car and I'm feeling good. And now I've moved into another place and I have a sober roommate and I feel like an adult and, you know, I'm personal training and I'm also working at Subway, which was a beautiful job for me because I was plunging toilets and I was scrubbing floors and I was helping people and it was a humble job. You know, it, it, it really was like 
the, it was hard, it was hard work and it was, you know, modest pay. And, but I kept that and I kept doing that as I was growing my personal training business, um, because I knew I needed something solid in my life while I was doing the personal training. So I'm doing this and it's all great. And, and so I feel this inkling of like, I feel the pull, the intuitive pull of change coming on and like, okay, you know, don't, don't get full of anxiety. Like this is not necessarily a bad thing. So I just kept feeling like there's this change coming up. So I reached out to a friend in New York city and I'm like, I think it's time for me to move back <laughs> into that area. You know, I, I think it's time. And, and I don't know if I said I was nine months sober at that time. And my sponsor had always said, you know, within the first year, like, don't make any massive changes, do what you're doing, you know, don't just give yourself that year. So I'm like, all right, it's nine months, like maybe I will. Now it's summertime. And a friend of mine called and was like, hey, let's, um, I really want you to come down to the beach. Um, you know, a friend of ours has the house and, and let's just go. And so I was like, okay, all right, fine. Um, and mind you too, I had been asked out on a few dates and that was another thing. I was like, I can't even get, you know, I just, now I have a place to shower. Like I'm not adding anything else complicated. Like I'm trying to learn how to run a mini business here and stay sober and be a functioning human being. Like there was no place in my life for a relationship. And I was fine with that. I was very happy with that. So I get to the beach and, um, and we're there and we show up and, and there's this guy and my first reaction was, oh my God, I came all the way to Massachusetts and I feel like I'm standing on the Jersey shore. And it was because of this kid. And I immediately didn't like him. I'm getting teary thinking about this. It's in the quiet moments, you know, when we sit and we're really talking and connecting to that higher power. So after that day, you know, we all hung out, we had a great day. I went home and I'm sitting and I'm talking to my higher power and I'm like, you know, they say no new relationships within the first year, like, you know, nothing changes. And so I was, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't know if this is for me. And he ended up calling me up and asking me out on a date. So I said, okay. And from there, life just kind of unfolded and three months had flown by and now, you know, we're dating and we're hanging out and things are getting serious. And uh, yeah, in the, in the three months too, and that I was very, you know, back and forth about because intuitively and energetically, it felt so right and so simple after rejecting it. But my mind was telling me, nope, this isn't the right thing. You're not doing the quote unquote right thing. I'm in my apartment now that I'm sharing with my roommate. It is October 9th and my sobriety date, like I had said, is 10-10. So October 9th and I go to bed that night and I'm just in awe that it has been almost an entire year that I haven't needed to pick up a drink or a drug to get through life. And so I asked my HP, my higher power, my council of light, please give me a very clear sign that moving forward with this relationship, staying in Massachusetts, continuing on this path and not putting a fork in it or, you know, pivoting far left back to New York City and starting kind of all over again is not the right thing for me to do. So I go to bed. 
I remember I had the windows open and I could hear the band playing at, now I'm in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and I can hear the band playing, practicing at the Foxborough um, High School. And I love that sound. And I always connect now when I hear drumming or a marching band to this moment. So I had the window open and the summer breeze is coming through and I just felt so right. And I drifted off to sleep. I woke up on 1010, my sobriety date, at 3.33 in the morning. And I turned over and I looked at my clock and I laid back down on my pillow and I had a huge smile on my face and I just started to cry because I knew that I was heard. I knew that there was something, I knew before that, that there was something greater than me. I knew that, you know, there was more than what we physically see. And I had known that because I could see things and I could hear things and I had suppressed that for a long time. But in this moment, it was like the two had connected. I just, I knew that I was heard. So 333, I was so excited. I had a journal that year that I wrote down. Uh, I had a journal entry for every day of the first year of those 365, that first year of sobriety. So I wrote this down in my journal. And from there, you know, there was, there was no more question for me. And I said, yes. And, and the two of us just jumped right into our relationship and it was amazing. It was amazing. So now here we go. Fast forward. So 333. Then the two of us are talking. We are hustling. He is at the time he was a land surveyor and then he was landscaping for um, a cousin of his and he's or an uncle and he's busting his butt. You know, he's working these long hours. I am no longer at Subway, but now I'm teaching at the YMCA and I'm doing my side personal training. So the both of us are just, you know, we're sober, we're happy, we're working our programs individually and we're living together at his mom's house to save money. So we're there in his basement bedroom. We're saving money because we're like, okay, like this is the goal. We're gonna, we're going to get our own apartment. You know, a few weeks go by and we're like, okay, we have this and we found an awesome little apartment. And I went to a meeting that night, uh, my home group. This gentleman pulls me aside, an old timer. He has an envelope in his hand. And he said, this is way off script. You know, I, my wife and I were talking and I was talking to my sponsor and I've been, you know, hemming and hawing about this, but I just, it's been on my heart that you need this. And so we want to give this to you. And so I went back to my Monte Carlo and I opened it. It was the exact amount of money that Jimmy and I had needed, you know, to save up the rest so that we could do first, last, and security for this little apartment that we had found. I shut the envelope again and I had that same feeling as the 333. Like the universe was guiding me. You know, this was this was where I was meant to be. This was what I was supposed to be doing. So I went into my meeting and I didn't tell Jimmy till he got home and I got home. And uh, and I think he, he still to this day, he'll tell this story because he's blown away by it. You know, he just, he, he still, he's like, I can't believe that that happened. But now more and more things happen, you know, and you're in sync or synchronicity and it's like, 
no, this, this is how it works. This is how it works. This isn't just how it works for me or for, you know, a chosen few, like this is how it works for all of us. The most important thing is connecting your intuition with your daily life and your actions, because I can tell you that when you energetically are disconnected, life is chaotic. Life is, you know, you're pulling at thoughts and ideas and where do I go and how do I do this? When you connect in, there is a peace, there is a resolve that comes over you. So now we have this beautiful apartment and we are just giddy because this is ours. We have worked for this. We have given, we have received help. We have allowed people to help us. We have shitty furniture and we don't care and we're loving it. And we find out that I am pregnant and we are super excited. So now I'm still doing what I'm doing and he's doing what he's doing. And now, you know, things take on kind of a different energy when you realize that you have a human being on the way. Um, so we still do it, you know, we pillow talk and that's just, you know, at night where we lay in bed and we talk about all different things. So we're having a pillow talk one day and he's super quiet and he says, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to, I don't think I should landscape anymore. You know, maybe I should go back to land surveying. Maybe I should do, oh, he was also doing, um, sprinkler fitting. So he's like, maybe I should go back to that, you know? And so he's, you know, going, he's just talking it out. And I looked at him and I said, well, what's your dream? Like, what do you really want to do? And I think he, it took him like half a beat. And he was like, I want to open a men's sober house. Like I went through a men's sober house that saved my life. I'm still connected with the sober house that I went through. Like, that's what I want to do. I looked at him and I said, let's do it. Like, let's do it. There's no reason that we can't do it. He had a business partner at first, um, got things together, found the right house. He had known the landlord. And so we, um, we rented the house. There was work, there was work that went into that. You know, there was grit, there was grind. Like we had, we did things that we didn't know we were gonna have to do, but that we were like, yeah, this is all a part of it. If that is what we have to do in order to get to where we wanna be, then we will do it. The obstacles that are in the way, you know? It, if your vision is clear enough, that kind of stuff, will work itself out and it's not will work itself out like oh I'll just sit back and like you know my higher power will magically you know my council of light will just pave the way for me but it worked out because we got to work so we opened the doors to the sober house and um and I'm in the background now I'm very pregnant <laughs> I have Rylan now Rylan is our oldest she's eight now and I felt like I was on vacation. I don't know, be, becoming a mom was, is one of the greatest joys in my life and one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> so I stopped working at the YMCA and now I just have my personal training and I've got a baby on my hip while I'm doing it and I'm having fun losing the baby weight and I'm sharing that this is before the blow up of social media, but I'm sharing it with my little circle of people 
that I'm training and I'm traveling and I'm training and, you know, training um, couples in their homes. And I'm just having a really good time at life. It's just really, it's a sweet, sweet spot. He's doing what he wants to do, you know, he's helping others the way he wanted to give back. I'm in the background, you know, now I'm learning about invoices and, you know, like I had said, the licensing and certificate and then accounting. And so, you know, you take it on in a small scale and now he had taken it on in a bigger scale. So I'm in the background and I'm, you know, quietly just absorbing. And this is about the time that I'm sensing energy around me again. So to go back to my intuition, when I was younger, I saw people. I saw people who had passed. I thought everybody had this. I thought that it was just a part of being a kid that you could see those who were no longer here or you could feel or hear things. And now, you know, I'm a little over a year sober and I'm, I'm afraid when I'm alone because it's coming in so strongly. And so I must have mentioned something to a friend and she said, well, I just got certified in Reiki. So why don't you come over to my house? I have a new office upstairs in one of the spare bedrooms. Why don't you come for a Reiki session? So I go to her house and we do the session and I'm on the table and I kind of feel like absolutely nothing, but I don't want to hurt her feelings. I'm like, well, like that was really great. You know, we step outside of the spare bedroom, which was her office. You can see into the master bedroom and you can see into her daughter's bedroom. And her and I stop. We're both in awe. Every single drawer and cabinet and closet door are open. And she looks right at me and she says, this is a message for you. And I had never been more freaked out. <laughs> I left her house quickly. I was like, that is some voodoo crazy ass shit. I don't know what just happened. Now Jimmy's working really long hours when I'm home and, and I can sense this again and I can feel this again. I call in my grandmother because she is the first person that I consciously had called to see when I was 11 and she came right through clear as day. And so I called her in again and, uh, and she was right there. She smiled at me and then she left. I was like, okay, okay, wow, this is, this is really, really, this is cool. So I started listening deeper. I started listening with intent. Um, I started talking to her and continuing to talk to my council of light and my higher power. And so now I'm at the sober house, the men's sober house, and I have Rye on my hip and I'm answering the phones and, you know, I'm helping wherever I can be of, you know, help, help with now, which we've taken on as this family business and the uh, business partner had faded away. So now it's Jimmy and I'm in the background. And, and I had this thought in my mind and it was like, well, maybe you can do this for women. I would answer the phones and every time I would have that little inkling or that little thought, it was a woman on the other end looking for a bed. I'm like, wow, that's a you know crazy coincidence. What? And it kept happening and it kept happening more frequently and I didn't do anything about it. And so now fast forward, I have Quinn Ivy and Jimmy gets really sick 
you know, I'm busy with mom life and now trying to balance it and it becomes a little harder and he gets sick and he's got these stomach issues and, you know, we can't figure out and he's in and out and he's doing this testing and, and now I'm getting scared and, uh, and I don't know what's going on. And he's showing up for work every day and he's helping others and he's a great father and he's an awesome fiance now at this point at this time. And we'll talk about that another day, how I was like, we don't need to get married. Let's not ruin a good thing. Like, this is great. (laughs) But so I'm at this little play date, like a mommy and me play thing. And I'll never forget in the chaos of like this one guy who is just suited up in like, you know, instruments and he's got them all over his body and he's flailing around and the kids are loving it. Jimmy is getting high. And that was a voice that came and it hit me. It hit me so hard, you know, got the kids ready. And I went home and I called some of our friends, some of our good guy friends who are strong still, still to this day, a part of, um, you know, who we are in our community of sober people. I said, you got to meet me at home. I think Jimmy's, you know, getting high. And, uh, and so they did. And I walked upstairs and so lovingly, I looked at him in our bed laying there. And I said, "Uh, baby, you know, I, I know what's going on. I know, I know that you're sick and I know that your stomach hurts. And now I know the reason why. And, uh, and he said, I don't want to lose you. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose the business. You know, we're going to lose this condo. Like, what are we going to do? And I stood there and this peace came over me. And almost without my permission, what came out of my mouth was, I am going to run the men's sober house. You are going to leave and you're going to go get help and you're going to come back and you're going to be okay. And I couldn't even stop myself from saying it, but right then and there, like that was the plan. So he left. Quinna's five weeks old. Rylan's 18 months old. I can no longer take my clients for personal training. And I became a business owner overnight of a men's sober house with two babies on my hip. And this was that time more than ever. I was like, all right, grandma, like I need you now. I need more than just you. Like I need something. So I reached out to people who I had been training, who I knew were business owners and I got to work and I asked questions. And like, that's a huge thing. If you don't know where to start as if you want to start business and you don't know where to start, you just start. You start somewhere. You take a tiny step and you ask for help. And today asking for help looks like so many different things. YouTube, I have YouTube so many different things. I have called people who I thought may know, you know, accountants or somebody who knew how to do this and asked if they would be willing to share their number with me so I could call them and ask them questions. So it's all about just starting and beginning and realizing that you don't need to know in order to go to do it. You don't need a giant loan. And that's, that's so important because I feel like so many people do this ass backwards. Like people forget to put their foot to the pavement and to grind and to try different things and to, I think so many people forget that you have so much 
power within you. You can, you know, people forget to, before you go take out the loan, like try different things that work, call people that you think may, may be able to help you, you know, try other avenues other than the typical, you know, take out a loan and, and buy all this fancy stuff and, you know, get, have an overhead and, and all of that. So, so here we are. And now I'm calling people and I'm looking for help. And on top of the huge umbrella of fear that, you know, Jimmy's going to die. Is he going to do this? What's going to happen? And now I'm alone with the two babies in our condo and I'm sitting on the couch and I felt like my living room was a crowded bar room. Maybe that's the wrong word to use. It was a crowded, crowded space with so many people. And I realized that this was similar to what had happened to me in high school when people had come into my room and so here I am, and now I'm like, do I talk to them? Do I send them away? Do I shut this down? And again, I reached out for help from women that I thought were quote unquote, like spiritual. And, um, and so two women came to my house and they had both known me and they knew what I was going through and they sat me down and, um, one of them encouraged me. She said, I don't know what that's like at all, you know, but all I know is that this is your home and you're safe. And she gave me words of encouragement. And the next lady shot me down and told me that I was evil and that the evil of Jimmy's disease must have seeped into my spirit. And now I was being possessed and I better be careful because that's going to take me down and kill me worse than if I were to relapse. And on top of being feeling alone and scared and lost, now I was so ashamed. I was ashamed of who I was. I was scared now of who I was because this woman that I had trusted told me that what I was seeing and how I was feeling wasn't, was really bad. So I, you know, thank you for coming over <laughs> and they left. And now I'm left with this feeling of guilt and shame and how I had never discussed any of this with anybody growing up, going back to that, how it had made me feel. I think I had mentioned it to my mother one time and she had, the words that that woman had used were very familiar to what I had heard growing up about it and in the religious circle that we were in. And so I wasn't gonna give up, but I certainly wasn't going to be as open about how I was feeling. And so I kind of kept it to myself um, as far as that went for a while. And, um, and so I'm learning how to run this business and still 
um, the phone is ringing and when I'm having those inclinations, man, I'd love to do this for women, you know, Jimmy gets better. Jimmy starts working on himself. It's the most beautiful thing ever. Fast forward now. He's like, will you marry me? Will you take my last name? Like we have been through this. Like he is, he is good. He has this new glow to him. His energy has shifted. So I, you know, lovingly and teasingly, of course, of course, but you know, you get a, you get a year of sobriety and we'll get married. So we planned our wedding and, um, we went back and forth to New York city and, oh my God. So yeah, so we're going back and forth to New York city for, um, for my wedding dress. But before that, we had the woman's house. <laughs> this is, this is huge. This is where my, you know, so the men's house. So now I'm learning all this stuff. So now he comes back into the picture with the house and, um, and he kind of like, you know, I'm a new person who now, like I'm a new person, like we're getting to know each other in a new energetic way. And I finally share with him my biggest secret, which was that I could, I was very sensitive and very intuitive. And we have had some friends at this point who had passed away, some very dear close friends who had passed away and they had messages for Jimmy. And, um, and he had a message from one of his high school best friends. And so he was skeptical, but of course, you know, he trusts me. And so I'm telling him this and he's blown away and he's like, you know, how is this happening? And we're laughing about it, but I felt so accepted and loved in that moment by my person. So now he knows about my intuition. Now he knows about, you know, my mediumship and, and now I'm going to workshops and I'm learning and I'm meeting people. And I, I met a beautiful woman who actually ended up marrying us, but she has been like my mentor for years. And I love her. And she's been such an intimate and close part of all these steps of the way as a guide for us. Um, so I keep getting those phone calls at the men's house and they're for women looking for beds. So finally I'm like, I'm going to do this. I am going to do this. So I call somebody cause I want to talk it out with people. And on the other end of the phone, I hear that is a horrible idea. Do you know how difficult women are? Do you know how hard it is? And do you know how hard it's going to be to fill those beds from a business standpoint? That's a horrible idea. And this is somebody who owns business. So I hang up the phone. I immediately reject what they say. Because now this is something that these phone calls, the 333 in the middle of the night, the exact amount of money that we needed to get to that apartment, you know, the intuition, the knowing at that woman's group that Jimmy needed that help, the intuition and that, you know, that came over me that I was going to run this business. Now knowing a little bit how to run a business on a small scale from personal training and little, you know, ideas and things that I had learned from YouTubing and listening to certain things and following people intently now on social media because it's becoming, you know, bigger. So I tell Jimmy and he is what you would call a realist. And so he's like, okay, you know, where are you going to get the money? Where are you going to get the place? Like, how are you going to do this? You know, da, da. so I'm like, I just am I'm like, I just am. It's going to come. It's going to come because it always has. And it always will. If you show up, it will come. 
if you show up and you do the work and you don't count yourself out before you start and you stop putting timelines, when I stop putting timelines on things, it opens up. It opens up for me. It will open up for you. I've seen it open up for so many people. So I don't know where to start. So again, I'm listening to my intuition now. I'm meditating more. I'm journaling again. I'm listening to that. I'm talking to people. Now I'm using these tools and these gifts that I have, and I'm hosting groups because I'm just casually talking to people about these gifts that I have, and they're asking me to come over. And so I'm hosting group readings and one-on-ones, and I'm doing it very quietly, like our Jimmy and I know, and that's it. And then the people that I'm helping outside of my main circle, but I like kept it to us. So I don't know where to start, but now I'm like, I have that fire, that fire that I'm going to do it. And so I go online and I look up apartments.com because that's where I found our condo and look up apartments.com. And the first thing that pops up is a beautiful farmhouse for rent in Attleboro, Massachusetts. So the men's sober house was in North Attleboro. So I find this and my whole body's covered in chills and I'm giddy and I'm excited. And I call Jimmy and I show him and the first thing he sees is the price tag. (laughs) And so I'm telling Jimmy, you know, he's going through the back and forth. How are you going to do this? You know, he's looking at the price tag. So I get in the car and I drive by and I'm parked in front of the house and I just start to ball because I know that this is my moment. This is, I'm either going to take this opportunity and give it my all and try and figure out because I've been led to this moment intuitively, physically now, I'm gonna do this and I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna do this. So he very quickly gets on board. I call and the guy who owns the house is an awesome you know, military, very successful. And so I start telling him what I'm going to use the house for. And he loves it. He loves the idea. He loves it. Okay, fantastic. You know, you're just great. When do you want to move in? When do you want to do this? So I tell him a date. And so now we need to come up with thousands and thousands of dollars. And, um, and we have some saved for our wedding. And... Jimmy just looked at me and he was like, of course, of course, you know, yes. Like you use that, use, use that money and we'll figure out. So I didn't want to take out a loan and, um, but I didn't know how to do this. So women who I hadn't spoke to in years. So I put this on Facebook that, you know, we're opening, this is what we're doing. We need donations. So we started a GoFundMe and the men from the sober house were so helpful and they got together. So what Jimmy did was we got the money that we got from GoFundMe, we would use to buy a U-Haul, to rent a U-Haul and they would travel all over Massachusetts and they would pick up furniture, free furniture that people were trying to get rid of. 
and they would drop it off. So we paid one month ahead with the, with the security and everything that went with it and, you know, getting the licensing and all that kind of stuff. So we used the savings that we had and then a little bit of the GoFundMe and then we opened the woman's house. I did not, we did not turn on the electric or the heat because we needed to save as much money as possible. We were, we got the donations from GoFundMe. I'm making phone calls. I'm calling the contacts that I have learned now from the men's house. I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm crying. I'm sweating. I'm laughing. I'm figuring this out as we go. And so, and so we didn't turn on the electricity. So we paid for one month ahead of time and, or no, we paid for that month and we were going to give ourselves the first two weeks of that month to get our shit in order to refinish this, the furniture, to fill the beds, to get mattresses. So we got mattresses with some of the GoFundMe money, but the people that stepped into my life from quote unquote, out of the blue, no coincidences. A woman who was a, she, she ran fundraisers for a living and she was so on it. She came out of nowhere. I had trained her like maybe three or four times back when I was doing the personal training and she came out, she met me at the men's sober house and she was like, what do you want to do? And how much do you need? And what do you want to do? And she sat there and gave her time. And all I could think about was the fact that all of this was happening and it was unfolding in front of me so beautifully. And that wasn't me. That was my guide tribe. That was my council of light. That was God. That was my higher power pulling this all together because if it's meant to be, and if we give ourselves a little bit of grace and a little bit of space to mess up a little bit and to just try things open up, just trying and you energetically open up she came through and she was on that Facebook and people from New Jersey that I hadn't talked to forever were donating. And, and it was a beautiful thing to see. So I'm there. Daylight is my friend. I hate the cold. I'm bundled up and I'm refinishing this furniture and we're painting and we're making our own artwork out of old artwork. And there's women who are helping who have you know heard of this and women from my network and they're coming together. And now the house is a thing and it's open. And I remember there were like four women at first and I had a meeting with them and all the meeting was, was me just saying thank you to them. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving this a chance. Thank you. The house looked absolutely beautiful. Now I'm like looking around and I'm like, oh, maybe I have an eye for like, decorating. Maybe this is something else. Focus, right? But like I'm sparking new joys within me as I'm going through this. My family is healthy. We're excited. People are coming. We had a soft opening. We welcomed people from the community in. We welcomed people from town hall in. Um, people are coming and it's just flowing and it's moving and it was beautiful. And now we have the men's house and we have the woman's house and we are planning our wedding and we're going back and forth to New York city. And somehow along the way, 
Levi comes into the picture. And um, yeah, and I didn't know. I didn't know. And I always, I always knew intuitively what I was having. Um, and I remember a beautiful story about connecting to my intuition was I was on a long run and there's farms um, in North Attleboro. And so I'm running and it's a beautiful, warm day and I'm listening to like, I don't know, I go everywhere. So I'm listening to something like Cardi B and all of a sudden a random country song called Boy plays and I'm running and I'm laughing and I'm crying and I probably look insane and I'm leaping. And I knew that that was a message that he is coming through. Um, so now I'm still working with, you know, my, my spiritual advisor and she's helping me. And so we get married and now Jimmy wants to add, he wants to do more for business. So we're going back and forth. And so he starts a company. It's not, it's not serving him. It's not serving us. He's like, I want to do something else, but he's still doing the men's house. I'm doing the woman's house. We're doing that. We're getting really into it. Like I've shared before, you know, I started doing a lot of meditation meetings. I started doing my sound baths and now I'm bringing my Reiki and my healing and my mediumship and guide tribe meetings all into that. And I'm constantly learning. I'm signing up for courses um, you know, energetically just growing, growing and becoming more aware and learning and kind of finding my language with the other realms, finding how we're communicating. I get these clear messages about paint and I hear bougie hippie. And I don't know, I don't, I don't hear bougie hippie. I'm I'm asking Jimmy, like, you know, the questions. I'm like, what do you think of me? <laughs> like, that's a dangerous question, right? When you look at me, what do you think of me? What do you see when you look at me? He's like, I don't want to answer that. Like, no, seriously, like, what would you use to describe me? So I want to share this. So I'm writing and I'm stretching and I'm thinking and I'm getting these visions and it's all great. And I hear paint, 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 painting decor, wellness, you know, I'm like, this is it, like painting and decor, like I'm going to do this. So we started, so, the, so how Bougie Hippie started or the Bougie Hippie, it was at first a crystal infused interior paint line, a crystal infused interior paint line. I still love that. I'm still, so we make this paint, we get to the point we're in production, we're making it, I'm getting ready to send it out to stores. I'm finding people, right? I'm learning how to do this. Then I feel this huge bomb of like, this isn't it. And immediately, you know, my ego takes over. It's like, no, you've worked so hard for this. Like, this is what it is. Like, this has to be it. And that other, the calm, the solve, the resolve within me is like, no, this is not it. And so Jimmy and I are having one of our pillow talks and he's like, I really want to do something else. I really want to do more. I think I'm going to start a painting company. And in the moment, it all came and made sense that I had taken on what I thought intuitively was meant for me in the moment when it was really something that was meant for Jimmy. So now we have three babies. He has to sell design and co. It is beautiful. It is growing. He's hustling and he's working and he's, he's doing all of this. And now I'm, hosting sound baths and I'm doing more of that. 
but I'm trying to navigate how to do it and where to go with it. And COVID hits. And now like all of us, right, we're, we're just blindsided and taken out of our everyday routine. So the woman's house is very heavy at this time. Um, we had that pandemic going on. We also have the pandemic of addiction and alcoholism and people are isolating, people are dying, people are relapsing, people are in spiritual turmoil and physical pain and mental disease. And so we kind of, I threw myself into that. I kind of put that aside and he's growing Decel Design and Co, which is an amazing company. And he's doing that. And, um, and now we're in COVID and I know intuitively it is time to pass the woman's house over. And at first I'm like, no, no, no. Like, this is my baby. Like we, we fought for this. Like this was hard. This was like, I gave my everything. We gave our everything. We sacrificed like our family. This is a part of our family, part of our identity. But I knew that intuitively it was time to let go. I did something that's scary. It's still scary today, but I knew it was necessary. And I called, I knew right away who I wanted to buy the business, but I didn't know if she could or if she wanted to. And I call her up and again with that, she's like, yes, 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 yes. I want this. Yes. It was, it's scary. It, it was scary in a sense of, you know, this is a part of who I am, right? I'm business. I'm sober. I'm a woman. <laughs> so I released this business and this was in June of to June 3rd of 2021. And she takes on the business. And now I have never been more afraid in my entire life. I am now a stay at home mom at some point the middle, near the end, who knows, of a world pandemic, the flooding thoughts of, I'm flooded with the bougie hippie again, the bougie hippie health and wellness, the bougie hippie, be bougie, be hippie podcast. Like all of this is coming to me and I'm shoving it away and I'm crying in between, you know, the busyness of being a stay at home mom, which I've never been. I always worked with the baby on my hip. So this amount coming from all of us being, you know, pulled into isolation or putting a wrench in our day-to-day activity or hustle or life and making me sit with myself again and really assessing where I want to go now what I want to do, who I want to present myself to the world as. And out of so much support, seeing people changing energetically, having that split second aha moment of they are worth it and they can change and knowing that I've helped them energetically and I've given them messages that have helped them move on with their life. 
and seeing the light come back in them and seeing that hope in their in their aura and in their body and the way they carry themselves and releasing old traumas, releasing pain, you know, finally figuring out how to release these phobias and these fears and still I'm sitting with it because of the few people or this world that I know exists out there that's going to reject me for who I am. In the last six, seven months now, it's been a getting back to who I am, freely and openly sharing that, stepping into that power and knowing that just like all the other visions and all the other intuitively led moments in my life, that this is one of them too. And I can't wait to share bougie hippie with you. I can't, I've got all these visions, bougie hippie, health and wellness. I want yoga. I want hot yoga. I want vegan vegetarian cafe. I want a little hippies play area. So mommy and daddy can just do their thing. Himalayan salt rooms, sound bath, you know, meditations, sound bath workshops, mediumship workshops, be bougie, be hippie apparel. Like this is all my plan, this is all the big vision and I am so excited about what it took. And thank you for people who have reached out and said, you have done something that I can't do yet. I feel and I see all these things and I'm scared to come out with it. And I am here, I am here. I am doing this too, I am doing this. I. I'm loving sharing this. It's scary to share this, but it's who I am and it's who I am. I don't think that any of us should come through, especially a year like 2019, 2020, 2021, COVID and come out of that as everyone's, you know, resurfacing with an energy of suffocation or stifling or not being completely true to ourselves, to myself. So here I am showing up today, knowing that this has been on my heart for a very long time. The point of this was business and intuition. Intuition is a key to, to living a life that is fulfilling. Because if we're just using what society is telling us, we are, brand, we are leaves. We are leaves in the wind. But if you find the strength to sit with self, to really ask those questions internally and then reach out for help to people that you know will understand, life will be beautiful and life can be amazing. And you can step in to the power of being truly who you are. And that's what all of this is for. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I am the bougie hippie. I'm excited to grow this. I'm excited to grow this community. I love being able, to, I love being uncomfortable doing this because that's how you know you're doing something right. Have an awesome day. Thank you for listening again. You are loved, you are enough, and I will talk to you soon.